turning over, he's got max five minutes. And when someone says to you, can you preach on like the power and importance of the cross in five minutes? The answer is no. Um, it's kind of like saying, can you teach me how to fly a in West End in half an hour? No. Um, but apparently we're going flying, so here we go. Um, one thing I'll quickly say, David, can you just say, you know you had the word about the prodigal son, can you say what is written on my notes? Exactly. So that's, there's your word for you. Um, the other thing I just want to say before I caveat is I've already cried three times this morning about doing this because it means a lot to me. So, but we'll see what we can get done in five minutes. Um, you better. I, I don't know, already. Okay. So my goal is to give us something to take away. So think through what Steve's going to talk through later. And this is where I've done it. I'm going to talk about what is the most important question, what is the most important answer, and what's the proof of that answer. Okay, and I'm going to wrap it up at the end, so it'll be one key takeaway. So what's the most important question? The most important question, in my view, is what makes me valuable? What makes us valuable? What makes me, as an individual, valuable? We live in a world which, where we have to prove that we're valuable. Mm. We live in a world, and this ties into so many things that even Steve said a minute ago, testimony said, we live in a world where we're offered reasons, say, you're valuable if, you're valuable when you, you're valuable because because of your relational status, because of how you look, because of how rich you are, because of how successful you've been. Um, and really importantly, we put these on each other. We say to each other inadvertently, you'll be valuable to me if you do this. Um, and it's terrifying. Um, I have a person test me all around this, which I won't go into now, because I've already like at least two and a half minutes through. Um, but this is really, really bad in religion as well. So for really, in Galatians, for example, Paul says to the Galatians, what are you doing? I came and preached to you the gospel of grace, but you're turning back to the gospel of law. Mm. And the reality is, we like earning our value, and this is why it's so, so hard to kick. This is why it's so hard to kick away these things which say, I really feel good because I'm valuable because I am successful, because I am this, because I am that. So this is the, that's the most important question we're always asking on some level and answering, and finding answers to is why am I valuable. So that's the most important question. You can see this really quickly in the prodigal son. So, for example, the son, he goes away, and he spends his father's money that he's taken, and he spends it away uh, partying with friends, and he's really valuable and popular because he has the money and popularity. That goes away, he loses his value. He goes, he ends up working for the pigs, and he says, they're more valuable than me because they have food. So he's saying, I'm not valuable because I don't have food. And he tries to find another way of finding value. So what he says is, well, I can't be a son anymore. Even his identity as a son has been corrupted. Because he says to himself, I'm not a son anymore. Because I've done X, Y, and Z, I can't be a son. I'm not valuable. So he says to himself, I'll be a servant. Because if I'm a good servant, it will make me valuable. So even in that story, you can see the son is constantly trying to find ways of being valuable. And things being taken away from him and he can't cope. And we desperately need freedom from this question. We need freedom to stop searching for why am I valuable. So that's the most important question. The most important answer is God's unearned, unending, and unconditional love. Romans 5.8, God saved us while we were still sinners. We didn't earn anything. He did this before we did anything. Unending, John 3.16, for God's son of the world, he gives only son, so only they may have life for eternal life. Eternal, never ending. Unearned, unending, unconditional in Ephesians 3, we're doing in church, or Ephesians 1, I think we're still in, so <laughs> um, it has this beautiful passage which is about the height, depth, breadth, and length, which everyone has forgot there, about God's love. That's just a nice word of saying unconditional. 
You can't get outside of it. There is literally nothing you can do or not do to get outside of that. So this is the answer. The answer is God's unearned, unending, and unconditional love. So that's the most important question. Why am I valuable? The most important answer, the only answer, is God's unearned, unending, unconditional love. And what's the proof? The cross. Mm. The cross is the proof of the answer. The cross is where we come to when our life doubts the answer. The cross is where we come to when we're not sure, when we feel something in life has kicked us, and suddenly something that did make us feel valuable is gone, and we suddenly feel unvaluable. You come to the cross where you find the unearned, unending, unconditional love of God. And then super quickly as I close, the freedom, the consequence of the cross, of the answer, sorry, all the same thing, answer, consequence of the cross. So what the answer gives us is freedom from this constant search for worth, which a lot of people have talked about, we're great talking about about that. Thirdly, the life is the result of that answer, which is what Steve's going to talk more about, which is about mission. It's not simply about becoming whole, it's that freedom then lives you the life, that mission of life. But then fourthly, the really important thing is choice is how we hold on to that answer. Life will never stop giving you other ways to be valuable. It'll never stop, we'll, no, we'll never stop giving each other other ways to be valuable. So you constantly have to come back to the cross with what you're going through and saying the cross is the only place you're ever going to get unearned, unending, unconditional love. Yeah. Yeah. The only place. That's why you have to keep coming back to the cross. And it's not once all fit. People will say, even if you solve some of your things, quote unquote, other things will come up. Mm-hmm. So this is my final line. Why come to the cross? Because it's the only answer to the most important question we face. Amazing.
hand. The kingdom of God's at hand. And our job is to constantly find those places where we can grab the kingdom of God. Uh, so I'd love to see you kingdom of God that is peace this weekend, uh, just as we've reflected, as we've thought, we've discovered in, in the city of chaos that there is time of peace where we can, uh, we can go to that place of solitude and we can reach, where is that peace? Oh yeah, it's at hand, it's just here, it's somewhere there. Or that joy, kingdom of God is joy. Christians should be the most happy, happiest yeah. people on, on the planet, shouldn't they? Mm. Kingdom of God is full of joy, so we could be and should be the most happiest people on the planet. Uh, and also righteousness. Uh, for some of us, we've had to uh, look at the stuff that we've been doing, look at our sin, and go, actually, no, I, I want to now live a righteous life. And uh, so our job and what we've inherited is a vast sum in our account. Um, uh, for, for me personally, and this is just me personally, um, uh, I hear a lot about what people possess. I hear a lot of pontification, theology, churches who would tell us about what we possess. Um, I'm really not interested unless it's displayed. Unless we can actually display what we've inherited. Unless you can demonstrate it. Um, I love this weakness today, just weeping. <laughs> this is Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, I can't remember. And uh, he says, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with pervasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith would not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. I spent my life being humiliated. So karaoke yesterday was just another <laughs> example. <laughs> um, because we can rest on it's not about the person up the front. We, we believe that every one of us gets to play. And we will bang this on. We will, we will do this. To, this is something that we will fight for. That every one of you can extend the kingdom of God with power. Yeah. And we will, this is something that I'll fight for. Uh, unless your theology can be backed up with demonstration of power. Or demonstration of ministry. That you can say, yeah, I've reached in my time of peace and i found it. I've reached uh, the, this whole weird stuff about the gifts of the Spirit. I've reached in, you know, there's a toolbox somewhere with gifts. And I've reached for that word of wisdom or that prophecy, that tongue stuff. I've reached, I've started speaking in tongues. Um, uh, so we're, when we're born again, every single one of us, we receive a deposit in our account. And that's the truth, whether you believe it or not. The Christian life I want to propose is about making these withdrawals. It's about wherever we are trying to make these withdrawals and coming vulnerably like Paul, coming with fear and trembling, coming in weakness, coming, I haven't got everything sorted, I haven't got everything fixed, but I'm still going to go. Uh, so that, and I want to demonstrate this in a practical way. This sickness must go. Because this is what it says. My lens of how I look at life is this sickness has to go. The broken parts of me, these powerful emotions that I'm feeling, can't be trusted. Mm. We can't trust our emotions. We mustn't live by our emotions. 
Mm. We must live by the word of God. We must live by the cross. And what we do is we bring all of our emotions, which we can't trust anyway, <laughs> and we bring them to the cross. We bring our trauma, we bring our abuse, we bring our sexual abuse, the way men have um, put power over us, they dominated us, or they've influenced us, they've, they've done things that they, sh they shouldn't have done. Uh, fathers who shouldn't have done what they've done to you. And we bring those things to the cross. Just like we heard from, from Freddie as, as she began, uh, I don't know the situation, but as she began just to forgive the people in, in her life. She's bringing all that before the cross of Calvary. Because she knows there's there's a deposit that's been made that I can access. And that sometimes, and I've, I've been around the block a couple of times, a few times, and I'll, as we've seen people in my own life, uh, God will reveal wounds that we have in us in order to heal us. Mm. He's not the cause of wounds. He doesn't bring sickness. He doesn't bring, bring your pain. But he reveals some of our wounds, some of our internal wounds, because he wants to heal us. And the devil just wants to get at that scab and keep, keep on at that scab. He doesn't want that healed. And he sees when God brings that wound up, and he goes in to kind of dig it with lies and with, with untruths. And often this uh, exposure, or you know, some of us say, I'm just triggered. I'm triggered. <laughs> like, uh, like Pete, I'm triggered just being here. I'm here again. Here again. I'm going to to give words later. Uh, and I want to propose that these powerful emotions, instead of riding those waves until they, until they end, are opportunities to bring them before the cross. Are opportunities to bring your anger, your pain, your trauma, your sickness before the cross and the power of the cross. And as we face the cross, as we face the cross, see the things that the thing that we expose ourselves to are the things that we put a shadow on other people. The things that we expose ourselves to are the things that affect people. And so, what we want to do is expose ourselves constantly to the cross. Let that be the first thing that we, that we go to. Uh, Christians are the trusted rulers that, um, that are to bring the redemptive answers uh, to society. Oh yeah, I think I've got go ahead. So as we intentionally fix our gaze and our eyes on Jesus to bring redemption to us, bring the touch of Jesus to us, uh, we can then affect other people in our, in our situations. Christians are trusted rulers. <laughs> uh, to, bring, to bring this redemption that we receive, or we're in process of receiving, to, to other people, to other walks of society. And, and what we've loved, we've heard lots of stories of people in the workplaces, people at the school gate, people in the, in the job club. Mm. Um, I just want to tell you a secret. Can I tell you a secret? God's redemptive plan for your workplace is you. It's just a little secret. Just let me know. Let me tell you another one. God's, God's redemptive plan for your family 
God's, God's redemptive plan for broken relationships, for cancer, for children yet to be born, is through you. <coughs> George's story touched everyone here. I think everyone could relate to, to that story. Everyone, everyone. And uh, it was beautiful. It was, it was stunning to hear and privilege you. Most of us will never forget that until our, our dying day. Use that story as part of your redemptive plan. One of the, as we think about London, as we think about uh, our city, that one of the prevailing spirits, one of the strongholds, one of the shadows, if you like, over London is, is loneliness. It's a healing, and we all feel it. What's the redemptive answer? You, you are. You are. Um, what's interesting, what Laura spoke about last night, and she was, Victoria, you're going to leave. <laughs> Do that, 
And I think God wants to raise up a whole group of people that can be moms and dads in our, in our community. Uh, let's go back to the cross. If you truly believe that Jesus already thought of everything at the cross of Calvary, if you truly believe that what was paid for you now was already done at the cross, it would change your life. Uh, if, and, but also, that what the answers that are provided because of the cross to any problem, to all kinds of problems as well. Uh, and he's not, he didn't, Jesus didn't think, oh no, I forgot about Steve. I forgot about his stuff. I forgot about Karen. I was, oh, I should have done that at the cross. Or I forgot about, <laughs> he, he's got it. He's, he's, he's taken everything. All of your stuff he's taken to the cross. Uh, and so what we owe him is our complete trust. Mm. If you come away from this weekend, owe, all we have to do is owe Jesus our complete trust. And again, face the cross. It might be some of you just need to start facing the cross again. And trusting that the cross is the only answer for your your uh, and I, we want to say as you cultivate your own relationship with Jesus when things look confusing when things look fearful when you're like, I'm triggered I'm triggered again uh, I know the heart of my heart has already been set at the cross and just say I trust him I trust him I'm not allowing my feelings to dictate what he's already paid for or, on the other hand, there's people who are running away from them. Running away from your feelings or running away from God. Uh, but you're saying, I don't know the timings, but I'm bringing my sin, I'm bringing my shame, I'm bringing my pain, I'm bringing my abuse, I'm bringing my sexual abuse, I'm bringing my sexuality, I'm bringing you my mistakes, I'm bringing you my conscious sins, unconscious sins, I'm bringing them to the cross. I'm bringing my brokenness. I'm bringing where that story reminds me of the things that's not, not quite redeemed yet. I'm bringing and saying, Jesus, you've got it covered. I'll tell you another secret. Learn to be thankful. Mm. It, it could be part of your event plan to learn to be thankful. So as, uh, as I'm starting to just pause for me. I'm just taking some time just to be thankful during the day. And uh, I feel like I'm starting to feel like I'm more thankful. And it's one of your greatest weapons against these strong feelings. We can't trust we can't trust feelings. But we can do something. So we can face the cross. We can bring those feelings to the cross and we can start being thankful for those little things, those big things. Uh, so what Alexander shared, the daily, for, for some of us, the daily axiom, uh, I'm finding a tremendous help to help my level of thankfulness. Uh, and I think I saw Lauren had posted something on the community uh, about that. So have a look at that. Finding spaces for me to breathe. Uh, what I'm loving is I'm, I'm intentionally 
being expectant to meet my maker. Um, like Karen said, I'm, I'm intentionally taking the preoccupation of myself and, and heading towards my maker. And it's making all the difference. Uh, as we trust God, I'll give you another secret. <laughs> he trusts you. Mm. He trusts you too. He really trusts you too. So in that, in that scripture, uh, verse 13, it's just before Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world. It was time for him to go to the Father. Jesus loved his disciples who were in the world. Um, and so we're working hard. Uh, one of our visions is to work hard at helping people to discover their true identity, their God-given identity. Bill and I, we've listened with, we've prayed with, we've cried with, we've laughed with all kinds of people. Um, there are some people um, who. <laughs> I'm scared about this one. There are some people who don't. Uh, I've got to read it because I've written it down here now. There are some people who don't discover their true identity until they face their insignificance. There's some people that face uh, their insignificance in order. Who, who they truly are. Um, we tether from people, these are extremes, people with false humility, uh, I don't know how far away I'm going, and, and people with pride and arrogance. And some of you are in this spectrum. I think both extremes are wrong. I think both extremes are wrong. And um, uh, both of them are sort of fear of man. Scared. So we. We either try to make ourselves self-important or we try and run away from, from other people. Um, both are a direct attention to ourselves. Both are trying. Even though self-humility, which was me, I was like, oh, no, I don't want anyone to notice me. I'm, I'm, I'm a no one, I'm a worm. It's actually people, actually want people to me, really. It's People who are fighting the applause of men and women usually don't know who they are. Uh, applause is fantastic. Um, Jesus grew in favour with God and man. He grew in favour. Uh, remember, he said to the centurion, "Wow, I've never, I've never seen, heard anyone in all of Israel with that much faith." Um, he was, so the applause isn't isn't a problem to God. Um, but people who feel more, uh, more prideful don't know who they are and they don't know their identity. When your identity is secure, it means then your position can go low. Yeah. I'm happy to go. We're happy to go low. Um, some people won't serve because they think their position is too high. So I'm uh, not any of you, not any of you lot. I've so, I've, Early days, that's something the church said. Oh, Steve, you would do well to get me preaching. You would do really well to get me preaching. And basically, he'd say, Steve, rubbish. <laughs> get, get me up. And, uh, and I just said to him, well, where do you want to serve? That, that's where I want to serve. That's my love language. People do not serve. Uh, so... 
We, we come to the cross on this straight and narrow road, don't we? We head to the cross on the straight and narrow road. And we come to the door, which is Christ Jesus. It's the only door to the kingdom of God. It's the only door that gives us access to the Father. But once you have access, once you step through the door, guess what? You have it all. Mm. My Bible says you have it all. You have everything. Um, many of us, we realise that the kingdom is bigger than we've realised. It's no longer the straight and narrow road. As a Christian, we don't have to walk straight and narrow road anymore. We live in expanse. We live in vastness. Um, and there's, there's, there's only one way to this, and it's through, uh, through God. There's not different ways to get this. It's just through the cross of Calvary. Tabitha, she um, came to me yesterday, and she said, uh, Steve, uh, now that I've come back, I, uh, I really want to serve. That's my word. And um, uh, I mean, pride, because it's that kind of, I said, oh, you've come low. You've come to serve. And uh, I think that's the key. Um, Karen started spoke yesterday about how we, how we seek the welfare of the city. Didn't you? Amazing. Uh, I think tattoo parlors all over South London are going to get busy <laughs> next week or so as we, uh, as we as, and getting calls for verse, the verses to be placed on their cheeks. <laughs> it's great. So, seeking the welfare of our city. Uh, in serving people well, in loving people well, I I also have to see the welfare, the value, sorry, the value in other people. I have to see the value in other people. And again, this pushes some of us who are at some of these, these extremes. And remember, it's not about you. Um, the passage here, Jesus is really conscious before he washes his disciples' feet. He knows what he knows. He knows where he's going. He knows he's suddenly going to get it, all. and he's conscious of that. But before he wraps a towel over his arm, he chooses to go to the lowest. That's why Peter's reacting to him. That's why Peter's saying, "No, no, no, don't do that, don't do that." And Jesus is setting us an example of where we're to go. As Jesus took the towel over his arm. What he was doing, he was enabling them, serving them, empowering them to become all that the Father had destined them to be. That's another secret. As we begin to trust God, even in our mess, do you know what he says back to us? I trust you for the welfare of the city. Even in our broken places, God's constant voices, I trust you for this city. Um, Bill Johnson says it this, this way, uh, rule with the heart of a servant and serve with the heart of a king. Uh, Alan Scott says it this way, become a trusted ruler. Uh, in Micah, I, I didn't have time to 
everything else uh, in my cases, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. We're given permission to, to come to rule in our city with this heart of servant. Mm. This, is, this is what God says to us. I trust you to rule, but serve with the heart of kings. Mm. Um, in, uh, I think it's in Isaiah 3 or 4. And this, this is what I'm going to try and end with. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. And this is the heart of the servant. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. It goes on. Come now, let's reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. Mm. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. It says that we're, in, we're broken, but we still reach out to, to, to serve our city. Seek the welfare of the city. Be a justice person. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. And it's mainly the poor. The poor in all have got no voice in any culture, in any, any society. It's the common thing that you see around the world. Who will defend them? Who will, who will, who will rise up? And what we do is we use our authority as kings to bring safety. So in our, in our job club, uh, we have people come in all the time and they, they say, the, the, job, the job centre are going to uh, sanction me unless I come to you. The job club or uh, the job centre are about to sanction me, stop my benefits because I don't know how to use the computer. What I do is I take this verse and I ring up the job centre and I say, How dare you? How dare you do that to, to someone? This is a this is a voluntary organization. We don't get any money from you. How dare you put your our name to your your sanction? We you have to stop that now. I do that every two months because they keep doing it. So I'm constantly doing. I'm. I think I'm ready to tomorrow. Tomorrow afternoon, I'm ready to, to go again. <laughs> but we use our authority to bring safety. So again, if people come into the job club, they presume we're like the authorities, and um, they come in and we're trying to cup of tea, trying to drink something to eat. They suddenly their walls come down. And then they ask, why do you do this? Um, because uh, we see them as individuals that God has God God created. We're going to worship. I choose to serve. I choose to serve because I know. I have access to unlimited resources to enable you and the people at Job Club to be able to access all that they were destined, predestined to become. Uh, Sunday morning, I look at I, some of you, you choose to go low, even though you could, you're, you're world class. You're, so what you don't know about Alexander McLean, he's a TED fellow. So he, he's, a, he's, a Ted, he's a Ted Fellow. And that's 
figure out why are you here? <laughs> why, 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 are you, why are you here? People that, that, that are high and they choose to go low, that, that's, that's our love language, and that's Jesus' love language. We serve on, serve on kids' team because uh, they, they know what those children are becoming. They're serving because they know what they're becoming. This season, this next year, is an opportunity to go and serve our city. Let's stand and let's worship.